Welcome to Faith Baptist Church, Great Village, where we believe in the truth of the gospel, building of community, and engaging in the mission of Christ. We hope you enjoy this week's message as our pastors share from God's Word. I wondered today as we were uh, just trying to navigate the storm and everything, um, if, if it might cross people's minds as to why, why would you head out in a storm uh, to go to church? Um, and uh, my initial answer to that question that came back was because we can. I don't say that flippantly because in order to get here this morning to this, to this uh, beautiful room, uh, we had to brave some elements. And, uh, and in many cases, people made the wise choice to stay home. And what we try to do we try to do, and so I'll mention this this morning, at any point in time in the future, if you're wondering, if, is there a service this morning? Uh, the answer is, there will be somebody here and there will be something happening. Uh, if you can get here safely, there will be something happening. Um, if, but please do not head out on the roads if you do not feel safe. That would be uh, important um, because it takes uh, technology to get here. Most of us aren't within walking distance, so we, uh, we have to drive. And uh, technology has a lot to do with this uh, question, why are you here? The answer, because we can be thinking about what we can do. Now, if you're wondering how, what this all has to do with the book of Ecclesiastes, um, we're, go, we're gonna get there. But I, I just am forced, every time there's a storm, and, and, and this is kind of the point. Storms are God's way, one of God's ways, of reminding us that we are not in control. And they are poignant reminders. The weather is beyond our control. And I know that we would like to be able to control the weather, but the reality is, is that it really is beyond our control. And uh, storms are just a, a, an incredible reminder that uh, we are not ultimately in control of our lives. So thinking about what we can do, what we can do what we choose to do, what we can choose and what we're able to do. We can't change the weather. Uh, there's a lot of things we can do. Um, I'm amazed at the talent and the competencies I see in the lives of people uh, around me and in, in our own church family. Like, we're talking serious talent and uh, abilities. Um, it's amazing what we can do. It's amazing if you've ever just even just looked at a human hand. Um, you know, babies, when they first discover their hands or when they discover their feet, they're just enamored with the wonder. It's like, wow. It really is a wow moment, isn't it? And, and the Bible says we're fearfully and wonderfully made. So it's okay. It's okay to be amazed at how God has made us. 
and what we're able to do. And when you watch somebody do something really incredible, it's okay to go, wow, that's amazing. As long as we're recognizing that God, that the only reason that they can do that or the only reason I can do this is because God has enabled me to do it. It's really, it's really um, a compliment to him, right? And so that, that's, this is a really important thing because, um, well, let's, let's take a look at Ecclesiastes 1, 1, and 2. Now we're going way back to the very first uh, two verses of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter one, verse one and two, and um, open my to that the passage. It says, "The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem, vanity of vanities," says the preacher, "vanity of vanities, all is vanity." Five times that word vanity occurs in in the, the original word is the word Habel. And it's, it's, it occurs five times there. And I can't remember the exact number I mentioned last week uh, that it occurs in the book of Ecclesiastes, but it's something like 36 times or 34 times or 38 times. I, it's 30-some times that word, Abel, occurs in uh, the book of Ecclesiastes. And it occurs through uh, other places throughout Scripture as well. Uh, it's a, a Hebrew word, and it literally means vapor or mist. And it is used by the author Ecclesiastes to convey this term of, um, of, bre- of brevity and, and, in a sense, futility. Um, now, the New Testament was not written in Hebrew. You know that. It was written in Greek. Uh, but in James chapter 4, that's kind of where I wanted to draw your attention to today, there are, I mentioned that there are uh, different places in Scripture where the word uh, Hebel is used. Um, and there are different places in Scripture where we're told that our lives are like a breath. Um, in the Old Testament, book of Psalms, Ecclesiastes, of course, and, and other places as well. In the New Testament, we're not talking Hebrew anymore, but, but, the, uh, but the, the concept in the Greek of James chapter 4 is there. Let's read that together. Uh, James chapter 4, verse 13, through to the end of chapter, which is verse 17. James chapter 4, verse 13. Come now, you who say. Now, so listen up. This, this is really pertinent, okay? This is very pertinent to this whole discussion we're having in the book of Ecclesiastes, and it's also very pertinent today as we have this amazing living illustration of a wonderful blizzard. Uh, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. So there's the concept. As I say, the word Hebel is not there uh, because that's a Hebrew word, but there's the concept uh, there, and uh, to be honest with you, I never checked to see uh, uh, if the, uh, the Septuagint, Greek version of the Old Testament, uh, if the word that is used to translate Hebel is used uh, here in this section or not. Uh, I know it's used in the Romans 8, 8 passage uh, that I referred to last uh, week, but the concept is there, and the concept is... Um, 
you do not know, verse 14, uh, what tomorrow will bring, what is your life, for you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, verse 15, instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Notice this, okay? What you ought to say, those of you who are saying, we're going to do this and we're going to do that, why? Because we can. That's why. We're going to go into this town and we're going to make this money and we're going to do this business deal. Or, and, and it doesn't have to be just business. It can be anything. It doesn't matter anything. Anything that you think that you can do should be qualified. Rather, he says, what you should be saying, verse 15, is... If the Lord wills, we will do this. And as I thought about this even this morning, it's like even something as simple as brushing your teeth can become a problem. Because sometimes, whether it's age or sickness or or an accident or something, using your hand or your wrist might not be an option. And most of us don't like the thought of not being able to even do something as basic as take care of ourselves physically, you know, wiping our own bums or whatever. But the reality is those abilities are temporary. Amazing as it is, the things that you can do, the things that I can do, that we can do, things like snowstorms are God's reminders that we are not the ones ultimately in control of our lives. And that's the point of, of uh, James chapter 4 when he says, you, you guys, listen, you guys, you're saying we're going to do this and we're going to do that. Here's what you need to be saying. You need to be saying, if the Lord wills, we will do this or that or the other thing. And in that, there is an acknowledgement. Now, the book of, of Ecclesiastes begins with this concept of Habel or futility. Or, and he goes on and talks about work. And he says, you know, what, what's, what's this thing about work? We work and we do all this stuff. And then, and then what happens? It's not permanent. Whether we die and leave all our money to somebody else or whether we, we do something and then we just turn around and we got to do it all over again. There's, there is a, there's a sense of futility that is inherent within this world and it's within this created and fallen and broken world where things don't last and, and things don't always work out. And we think, well, if we just do this and this and this, these are the results we're going to get. Not necessarily. The author of Ecclesiastes goes out of his way to, to point out that, that life doesn't always work that way. And so then what do you do with that? And the writer of Ecclesiastes encourages us to lift our eyes up and look beyond the sun at the one who made the sun and the one who made us and made this world and look to him and acknowledge him and to walk in, the, in fear of him. 
in the last verse we looked at last week, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, uh, verses, I think it's verse 13 and verse 14, it's the last two verses there, where he says, this is the end of the matter, fear God and keep his commandments. There's that, within that, this idea of acknowledging God, not just that God exists. What do we do? What do we do with this whole scenario, this broken world and, and, um, and the situation we find ourselves in? What do we do? We need to acknowledge God, but we not just acknowledge that he exists, but to acknowledge his sovereign will over our lives and to bend our wills to him, to bend our knees to him to worship him, to acknowledge him, to honor him, to fear him, to walk in fear of him. That's part of what that, that entails and what it means. To walk in fear of the Lord is to first acknowledge him, but not just acknowledge him, to acknowledge his sovereign will and to acknowledge that he is the one that ultimately is in control and he's ultimately in control of our lives and at any moment of time, any moment of time in this life, God can do whatever he wants. And there will be nothing that we can do about it. That's a big part of what it means to walk in the fear of the Lord. That's why he says in Ecclesiastes in that last sentence, the end of the matter is this, fear God and keep his commandments. That's part of walking in the fear of the Lord is acknowledging uh, his, his greatness and his, his rulership over the world and over our, our lives. Identity is a big issue in these days. People want to establish their own identities. Um, life doesn't work that way. Our identities are established for us. We don't like that. We want to establish our own identity. Too bad, but life doesn't work that way. Uh, those things are established by God, and they, they come to us, and we need to acknowledge and bend and naked I came into this world, naked I will leave this world, Job says, right? So um, think about, again, about technology, and I'm, I'm just about... I'm just about done here. What time is it? Oh, good. <laughs> Alex wants me to look, look up there. Look at that clock up there. I got to get used to doing that. Um, thank you, Alex. Think about technology. Isn't, isn't technology an amazing thing? So, so when we say technology, when I use that term, sometimes we think of computers and and uh, digital communication and stuff like that. And, and, and rightly so, because that's definitely very much technology. But technology really is, is anything that we develop with our, uh, with our minds and our hands, right? So, so uh, a very simple tool, a very basic tool, you know, whether it's something we think of like a screwdriver or a hammer or a knife or something like that, uh, it's amazing. Even something as basic as a knife is pretty amazing. And if you don't think so, Jeff Molusky is here and he's the knife guy. The, uh, uh, if you suddenly found yourself in a situation where you were removed from all technology, and I mean all technology, uh, you probably would be pretty thankful for a knife. 
um, and you would be pretty hard-pressed to make one because it's amazing how much technology goes into something as, I would, we would say, as simple or as basic as a knife. But a knife is a tool, and it enables us to do stuff. So we, God give, has given us the ability to make a knife and then to use the knife to do things. What happens when the technology is removed? And this is a question I think about often. Uh, maybe too often, because maybe I'm, I'm, I'm obsessive about some things. But, but I think about this often. You know, every time I flick on a light switch, I think, I wouldn't have the first clue how to make a light bulb. I, I, would, I would live in the dark. If I couldn't go to the store and buy a light bulb, I would live in the dark. I couldn't make a light bulb. And I'm, I'm pretty sure there's not very many people in this room that think that they could. Maybe, maybe you could, and maybe you could pull it off because some, some of you are way smarter than I am. But um, it's, it's, it's a snowstorm. And it's a reminder that we're not anywhere near as able to control our own lives as we sometimes like to think that we are. To walk in the fear of God, to acknowledge him, to bend our wills to his sovereign will, It's all part of what it means to, to walk in fear of him, to recognize him for who he is and recognize our own identities because of that, based on our relationship with him as a creation of his, to fear God and walk in his commands, to worship him, to love and honor him, to trust him, and to keep his commandments. Okay. Yeah, oh, uh, yeah. Did I, did I uh, Alex, did I uh, put that, uh, get Serena to put that there, Romans 8 passage in? Yeah, I mentioned this last week, and I don't know whether we put this up on the screen last week, but I'm going to get Alex to bring um, this up. This is Romans chapter 8, and I did uh, just kind of mention this really quickly at the end of the message last week, and I decided to revisit just because it, it, uh, it says, uh, in Romans chapter 8, Paul says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time, okay, so let's just break this down a little bit. The sufferings of this present time. So he's talking about uh, now, this present time, now, this is our situation, uh, we suffer. Now, some of us suffer a lot, some of us maybe suffer a little, uh, but, but all of us have blocked goals. There's all, every single one of us have issues and things that happen, and we, we lament them, and we're frustrated by them, and, and what we're saying, and what I'm trying to say here this morning in part, is that it's part of living in a fallen and broken world. And even when you're a little kid, you have to learn to deal with this, right? You get a toy, and next thing you know, the toy breaks, and then what do you do? Well, you 
fix the toy. No, you don't. You throw it out and you buy another one. But, but, but there's an element of frustration in, the, in life or what Ecclesiastes would refer to as futility or vanity. So Paul says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So now he's looking forward into what uh, the author of Ecclesiastes talks about, uh, how he's put, God's put eternity in our hearts and we're looking beyond the sun and we're looking, be, uh, the last two verses, uh, the last, uh, yeah, two verses in Ecclesiastes which says, this is the end of the matter. Uh, fear God, keep his commandments. And then it, the rest of it says, um, because God's going to bring everything into judgment. So there is coming a day when God's going to make everything right. And for those of us who have bowed our knees to Jesus, uh, we have awaiting us a, a day of glory. And the glory that will be revealed on that day, verse 19 says, for the creation waits, so now he's talking present tense again, now with eager longing for the future revealing of the sons of God. Verse 20, for the creation was subjected to futility. And I, and this, I mentioned this last week, and I, I just revisited it today because it, it's pertinent. That when the um, Septuagint, which is the Greek version of the Old Testament that was common in Jesus' day and in Paul's day, uh, translates that word hebel in Ecclesiastes. It uses the same Greek word that is futility right there. For the creation was subjected to hebel, futility, not willingly, but because of him, referencing God, who subjected it, in hope. So in other words, God has subjected the world to this frustration and this, uh, the um, consequences of the fall, but he didn't do it in a, in a dismissive, that's it, I'm done uh, manner. He did it in hope, knowing that full well that he was going to redeem it all. He's going to restore it all. God is going to restore creation and there will be no more futility when God, God is done. Uh, I think verse 21, Alex, as well, that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So that's that uh, looking forward aspect of that that I referenced last week, if you were uh, able to uh, hear some of those, those thoughts. Um, yeah. So that, that's... That's all really important stuff when we start looking at the, uh, the resurrection of Jesus and the hope that that gives for our lives. Uh, I mentioned last week, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, uh, the, 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 all about the resurrection of Jesus. And then at the end, he says, therefore be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. God is, God is in Christ, uh, reversing the, the effects of the fall, restoring, he is restoring. And we're seeing that in the gospel today as God works in our lives. But the future full restoration of God's work in creation awaits us, but it's all because of Jesus and what he's done. So I'm gonna stop there and... Um, Oh, I can't do that. It's 1123.
any, any questions? What questions do you have? What's that? <laughs> There's an element of faith that says, I can do this, I can do this. By faith, I can do this. But the qualifier there is uh, dependence on God to do it through, through me, right? So... Um, Again, it goes back to the Lord, if you will. Uh, if the Lord wills, we can do this. Remember the man who came to Jesus and wanted Jesus to heal uh, his son, and he said, if you can. And Jesus said, what do you mean if I can? <laughs> and uh, he said, all things are possible to those who believe. And, and uh, the man said, uh, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And so again, it goes back to depending on God, to recognizing God, recognizing what God does in our lives and uh, what he uh, is willing to do for us. All right, let's, uh, let's close in prayer. Thank you, Lord, again for your word and for the truths of your word that we've looked at today. Help us to know and to get a good grasp of, of what it means um, to understand our situation, but, but to, to look to you and to acknowledge you and to acknowledge your sovereign will in our lives. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would... Um, Bring the team safe home. Protect people on the roads today. But Lord, may you also remind us that you are the one that's ultimately in control. And may we live lives with our knees and our hearts bowed and our knees bent to you as the sovereign Lord of our lives. We thank you for sending your son to die on the cross to reverse the, the curse of this fallen, broken world. And Lord, help us to look forward to the day when you will restore all things. And in the meantime, Lord, help us to live our lives by faith in you and in dependence upon you. And we thank you for all your good things. In Jesus' name, amen.